You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. Well, we're in it now. It failed. In the last few hours, we have learned that warships are coming this way from Earth. Their orders are to seize command of Babylon 5 by force. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. My words are inadequate to the burden of my heart. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. And assuming we survive this, how old will you be in a year if you don't want to speak Mimbari? It's like I've always said, you can get more with a kind word and a two before than you can with just a kind word. Please, continue. Only one human can ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. You value your lives. Be somewhere else. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, Season 3, Episode 8, Messages from Earth. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And, and we, we are, are the Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. A startling revelation leads Sheridan and Delenn on a dangerous mission into Earth Alliance space. The Night Watch expands its influence over Babylon 5. Written by JMS and directed by Mike Vijar, this episode was released on February the 19th, 1996, and takes place from March 18th to April 8th, 2260. And the guest stars, Nancy Stafford as Dr. Mary Kirkish, Vaughan Armstrong as security guard number one, Merrin Dungy as security guard number two, Vimy Manny as ISN anchor, and Lorraine Shields as cook. I don't know whether that means a cook or just a person called cook. So, guys, what did we think about this episode? It was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. We had uh, lots of things going on so that uh, we're getting closer to the Shadow War. We're getting more uh, EarthGov stuff. Uh, yeah, we have lots of, uh, well, not lots, but uh, a nice amount of Jakar stuff going on. Uh, it was uh, it was a very enjoyable episode, which I greatly appreciate. Okay, Dan? Yeah, uh, I remember that there's the link with Mars that had always been sort of imprinted, the the visual of seeing one of the shadow ships over Mars. Uh, I actually thought it happened much later in the season. I didn't realise it was going to be this early. Uh, we had um, uh, an, another reason why Marcus is there, I guess, is to stop us from always having someone visits the station because he brings them on board instead. Um, it just gives us another way for people to come to Babylon 5. And it's Kirk-ish. So I don't know, you know not <laughs> Captain Kirk-ish, but I don't know. Um, who looked a lot like Sam Carter from Stargate. I don't know if you 
got that impression when they were trying to do the rescue and it was all a bit frenetic and you didn't quite get a proper close up on her face. Just the look how, you know, I just thought it was going to be, um, you know, uh, Sam from, from Stargate. Um, yeah, it was interesting. And I think it's a more set up for what's coming and I enjoyed it a lot more than last week. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a, a much better episode. Um, I enjoyed it. I didn't remember it. Uh, I had, and that made it uh, a, a little bit better for me because obviously seeing you know they found this ship as we as we'll uh, find out. Um, and what happens when they they go to investigate and all this? It's it's a really good. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Link or key part of the of the season. Uh, this mm. really starts to set things up and have them coming out of the ship and going to Earth to do things. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really good episode. Yeah, and the only part that I actually remember about it was the 45 degree angle bed. I, I've been wondering <laughs> when that was coming along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know I could have done with them one of those a few um, a few years ago because I was suffering for a lot from indigestion, mainly because I was just overweight. But it was easier to you know lie at an angle because obviously then you know the stomach's at the right angle for draining the food um whereas just lying flat on your back it just sits there and gives you all this indigestion so maybe the mimbari are into onto something there you know it's a, the only trouble is is trying to not to slide off the bottom of it <laughs> a little bit of meditation and you're fine <laughs> yeah. and um soothing rainwater you know landing on the on the roof you know to I mean, as a, a man of a certain age, that is not a good idea. <laughs> that is a conversation I remember. That is one thing that is, again, <laughs> stuck in the brain that he likes that noise when he wants to go to sleep. Um, so, yeah, uh, just don't drink any water before going to bed. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Scene, uh, first scene, we have uh, the... Uh, uh, I was going to say, what's the terrible trio, I suppose, is the word I was going to use. Uh, while eating the S-U-A-E-I, uh, shut up and eat it, breakfast, Ivanova gets a delivery of bacon and eggs. Real bacon and real eggs. From Marcus. Everyone is jealous, so she will kill him right after breakfast. <laughs> Meanwhile, the aforementioned Marcus is helping a woman evade some nasty people who are trying to kill her. And it looks like they may may have succeeded. As the investigation over President Santiago's death enters its sixth week, the woman has been taken to the med lab. It turns out she is one of Marcus's informers. In the brig, Garibaldi is visiting Shakar, who only has six weeks to go in it, to finish his punishment for attacking Malari. Although he seems to have conveniently forgotten he attacked Fear as well. He is spending the time meditating and singing, which can be torture. Two weeks down, six to go before I've repaid my debt to society for attacking Mulari. I've taken the opportunity provided by my incarceration to meditate, to think. <laughs> Sometimes I even sing. I know. We got a petition. For or against? Based on the sound, they think we're torturing you in here. <laughs> Sit down, Mr. Garibaldi. You know, a true artist is never appreciated in his own time. Or his own cell block. He tells, tells Garibaldi there are no distractions in here and you can learn so much in silence. You know what's odd? You seem, I don't know, uh, happier in here than you were out there. 
In here, Mr. Garibaldi, you cannot hide from yourself. Everything out there has only one purpose, to distract us from ourselves, from what is truly important. But there are no distractions in here. You can learn much from silence. Garibaldi is called away by a Code 7R. That again. Yeah. The woman turns out to be Dr. Mary Kirkish, someone Garibaldi wanted to meet for seven years. Someone who can back up a story from a long time ago. She's an archaeologist, and seven years ago she found something 300 feet below the surface of Mars. Something 1,000 years old. It was the shadow ship. Earth Central told them to stop digging and leave the site immediately. Then another shadow ship arrived and took it away. All the people who knew about this ship were either dead or missing. Dr. Kirkish is the only one left from that expedition, but another ship was found on Ganymede a few weeks ago. This one, however, will be used by Earth Central against other races. It will make us more like them. Um, did Garibaldi give away that he was also there? Uh, he said he saw something of this. Oh. And up till now, he hasn't thought to maybe mention this in the council? That he. <laughs> It, it's one of those things that he, he saw. Yeah, he saw it while he was flying over there, and so he mm. saw it while it was on the ground. Mm. So to see it then again later on, and nobody was really going to believe him, um, and and there was nobody else who could co corroborate the story from seven years ago. Then who are you going to ask? Who are you going to tell? So he's obviously been putting the feelers out to see if he can find somebody who was there at the time and has found this woman. Everybody else has definitely disappeared. Like the footage, when it was released in ISN, this was that was weeks ago, according to where we are now in the timeline. He didn't think to maybe bring it up to Sheridan or Ivanova that he'd seen that ship before. It or reminded him of Yeah, I suppose. Mm. And he's been saving that one pin, that uh, Psycor <laughs> pin that was bat burned the whole time. It's in his pocket every day for the last <laughs> yeah. seven years. Every time. Yeah. And he says, yeah, I went there and I looked around and I found this. Oh, come on, seven years ago. I mean, you could have picked that up from anywhere at any time. You know. yeah, no, it's, yeah, I mean, maybe that's another reason why he really doesn't have any evidence to say that he had any link to Psychor, to the ship, to whatever. So, Although the person who was with him may have been able to corroborate it. Maybe. And do we know who the person was? If we remember our trivia from a few episodes ago, I think you'll find it was Sinclair. Oh, yes, of course. Because they went, he, he crashed a ship, and I think it was him mm. and Sinclair that were in it. And I think that was the time that he was around that uh, point. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Mm. What was Sinclair doing at that time when there were shadow ships about? Mm. Anyway. Uh, in security, Zach Allen is joined by Admiral Forrest, obviously working undercover on Babylon 5 for the Federation. He tells him that there is another meeting of the Night Watch, the third one this week. I thought it was funny when he walked in because I, I obviously I'd read the um, the cast list. I knew that um, uh, oh, Vaughn Armstrong was in the episode. And obviously he's, he's Admiral Forrest from... Uh, uh, Enterprise but when he walked in I wasn't expecting him to come in and I sort of just before I, I heard his voice I thought oh is that 
And then as soon as he spoke, that was his voice. But he didn't look anything like him. He's obviously a lot younger here. He must be at least, uh, when was Enterprise made? About 2004? So oh, about six years. Yeah, but yeah. it could be somewhere around you know, 10, I suppose, 10 years. Yeah. Eight years, 10 years. Uh, and he looks totally different here. Mm. But the voice is, is obvious. Yeah, it did screw in my head a little bit as I'm watching this. Like, when's Archer turning up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sheridan has made a decision. They have to stop the shadow ship leaving Ganymede. It could be a suicide mission but his mind is made up. He will send out his uh, Star Fury, set to self-destruct, to make it look as though he's been killed, so no one will know he was on the White Star. Although now, how would they explain Delenn's disappearance as well? Hmm. They didn't and mention back that. To, back, back to Mimbar, maybe? She would have had, like, an accident? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. maybe. The Night Watch have gathered and they are making plans to start arresting people involved in trying to weaken the government from within, which is a prelude to an invasion. But it is noticed that the captain is missing. Oh, right, okay, so some lower grade person has spotted that the captain is missing as such. <laughs> and yet they've already got this thing in plan where he fires his star fury off. So why didn't she say, oh, he's in his star fury, he's just flying over there for a bit. Yeah, so obviously they didn't fall for that little gag then, did they? No. If someone was looking out the window, they saw it going past. Oh, there's no one in there. What's it going on? <laughs> What's going on there? Um, I did wonder, like, were they trying to suggest that Exogenesis last week was also playing into that? Because they were talking about that there are alien influences sort of infl infiltrating us. So they trying to sort of say that, well, the lower decks now are all becoming these weird creatures and they're because they're supporting that, that that's somehow like an incursion. I mean, I didn't know if they were trying to make it, you know, like a, a carryover or at least acknowledging that exogenesis had happened. I don't think so. I, I don't believe so either. No. But you know what I do believe? I believe in this promo for another podcast right here on the ESO network. Oh, you know, and you know who the, the, um, the uh, promo is for? Tell us. It's only our second podcast, the cosmic pizza podcast. You know what now is a good time for? It's time for a promo for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. The Cosmic Pizza Podcast, you say? Hmm, that sounds delicious. What is that? It's a delicious slice of life. In every episode? In every episode, where we talk about conspiracy theories, cartoons of our childhood, Star Trek quizzes, movies that we've liked, hard racing, general pop culture, fantasy recasts. But what we don't talk about is pizzas. Right here on the ESO Network. Ah, uh, I love that's, that show. That's a great one. It's so mm. good. I have listened to every episode at least four or five hundred times. Mm. I believe it. Because every time I edit it, I have to keep going over it and over it and over it. So I listened to it. And I was there when it was recorded. <laughs> Me too. Big Dan was as well. <laughs> I was absent. I was absent the whole time. Yes. So in case you don't know, we do do a second podcast called the, uh, the um, what's it called? The Cosmic Pizza Podcast. We just played <laughs> promo for it. So go and have a listen to it. It's where we talk about everything and anything. And our new pro promo will be inserted here as well. So it's our, it's our new, brand new, first aired by, well, not first aired by us, I think. Oh, it might be actually. Um, could be. Yeah, could, we could be with it. We've heard it first. So our new promo out now. Professionally produced as well. 
Meanwhile, Sheridan has been on the White Star for 36 hours with no sleep. So Linnea sends him off to bed, which is at 45 degrees. He can't sleep on that. So he talks to Delenn about rain, and she puts on the sound of rain from an MP3 file. That was nice of her, and they held hands. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice little moment where mm. they, you know, they're cementing the little relationship there. I, I think they were trying to stop each other from sliding off the bed, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, Whoa. Uh, yeah, one's going one way, yeah. one's going the other way. Still... <laughs> like when they're in the fight with the shadow ship, if there's like a shift that are on and trying to sleep, are they gonna, like when they're banking and all this sort of thing? <laughs> is there a scene where we should be seeing some Embari just sliding around everywhere? That's, that's why the beds are so close together. <laughs> but just, they just put their feet together and just hold each other in a perfect triangle. It'd be great. Yes. Uh, yes. But no, I did like that 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 moment where he goes off to to, to sleep because it actually reminded me of um, I was in uh, Qatar. We had a stop off before I had to go into um, Iraq um, when I was back in the foreign office and I was doing um, basically uh, some bereavement leave cover for someone who was working out there. So I was flying out, but we had to stop off in Qatar and the RAF dropped me off and they said, oh, you know, grab some sleep. You need uh, at least, you know, 12 hours before the next flight goes in. And um, I was just in this area, this bunk of beds, which completely deserted, apart from the one guy down the very far end of the tent. And obviously, being British, we stayed on the opposite ends of the tent. We didn't go anywhere near each other, and I wasn't holding his hand. But, um, uh, yeah, it was just the two of us in in a little area, because you do need your sleep. It was just just a weird moment where just watching that put me in mind of it. Hmm. You you wouldn't have got much sleep in Qatar, though, because there's no rain there. No, there is definitely not (laughs) any rain. That was bloody hot that day. You could have used rain. Oh, yeah. Nope. And uh, Glenn, she would have uh, watched you and caught you if you fell. She would have. Unlike that other guy at the end of the tent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would have let me go, Uh, (laughs) especially with all the uh, sand spiders they were telling me about as well. Yeah. Very far. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds a bit like Mars, Mm. which Mm. is where these people are going. Marcus is talking to Ivanova, who does not like Marcus, or the situation at hand, and is blaming Marcus for everything. In the meantime, Sheridan arrives at Ganymede, but the shadow ship is already already awake and leaving. He will destroy everything in its path. The White Star attacks, but to no effect. Sheridan gets uh, gets it to follow him into Jupiter's atmosphere, where the pressure destroys the shadow ship. Then the Agamemnon... Ah, I'm just going to stumble over that one. Then the Agamemnon uh, appears to arrest the White Star. They need to fight or surrender, but Sheridan won't do either. So Delenn tells Linnea to fire up the jump engines, which they do and head for home. The government spins the news to sound like aliens had attacked Mars and have been destroyed by the by the Agamemnon. Agamemnon. That one. Meanwhile, Zach Allen is being questioned by the new guy as to why the captain's absence was not reported. Zach is stuck between a rock and a hard place. Marcus has brought Ivanova an organization chart, which makes her laugh. But ominous news arrives as President Clark imposes martial law on Earth. It seemed a bit unfair that Ivanova was picking on Marcus as the reason why everything's happening to the station. Like, we just had two seasons where it pretty much came to them no matter what was happening. Well, you know what it's like. You know, what the, yeah. these, these, these Russians are like, they blame everybody, everybody else but themselves. That's, that's true. If anything, it's Warren Keffer's fault. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Since he's left, it's all gone to hell in a handbasket. Exactly. Anyway, let's move on to some trivia. <clears throat> 
When Garibaldi is talking about his uh, witnessing the shadow ship on Mars, he says that his ship went down and two of us had to walk, had to walk out. The other person was Jeffrey Sinclair, and it was uh, when Garibaldi first met him. He also told part of his story to a reporter in Season 1, Episode 4, Infection. The other thing about that is, of course, uh, at that time, he would have been uh, a practicing alcoholic. Again, Uncle Mike? <laughs> and I think he was at the time that that, the, uh, that ship crashed, which is why he didn't like to say too much about it. Right. So maybe if he'd been drinking a bit and he saw the shadow thing, he probably would have been maybe a little more, a little less convinced that he'd seen it because of his uh, situation at the time. Maybe they should have led with that. Hmm. The ISM reporter's line, President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law, was later one of the phrases featured in the opening sequence from season five, which must be 10 minutes long with all these pieces they keep putting in. Uh, yes. <laughs> the tale of the shadow ship buried on Mars ties in with issues five to eight of the Babylon 5 comic books. Okay. And in the medium and long shots in his cell, Jacquard is writing right-handed. In the close-up after Garibaldi leaves in his, his cell, he is writing left-handed. Oh. And now I noticed he was writing left-handed because at the end of it, it's a close-up scene and he's writing, uh, obviously, in Narn, which is a right-to-left writing of symbols. And yes. I thought, oh, that's handy because he's, he's left-handed. That will make it easier to write in that direction. And then I was trying to think whether he was or wasn't left-handed. And it was only when I read the, the bits at the end that I thought, oh, actually, no, when he was sat on the on the side, he had the pen in his right hand. So I think what they've done is they've just reversed the film. Ah, left, right, in a box by the door, whatever. It's easier to, because he, he he's not a natural left-handed person. So therefore, just write as though you're writing normally and we'll re reverse the film and it'll look as though you're writing left-handed. The shadow ship fires its beam weapon. Uh, uh, Sheridan says that it that it ignites Jupiter's hydrogen, which is impossible. To do that, there would have to be oxygen available to, to allow a burn effect. Jupiter's atmosphere is composed of 90% hydrogen, 10% helium, and traces of methane, but no oxygen. In the same consideration, the same consideration applies when Linnaeus suggests that opening a jump point in the hydrogen-rich atmosphere would be explosive at best. Mm, there you go. Mm. Uh, Sean, are there any Star Trek connections? Well, I think we hinted at, a, at one earlier, but uh, yeah, uh, Security Guard 2 uh, was played by Marin Dungi. Uh, she was in Star Trek Lower Decks in two episodes as Wendy and also as the first officer of the Solvang. And she was in Star Trek Picard as the interviewer in the episode Remembrance. Mm. Yes, and, uh, and, yeah, yeah. I, I recognized her when I read it. I didn't recognize her when I saw her, though. Well, no, no. And then, of course, I think we mentioned Vaughn Armstrong. He played security guard number one. Uh, we talked about him being Admiral Forrest, but he also played 12 characters altogether over 28 episodes, and he is the most prolific alien Star Trek actor. Mm. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> everybody thinks it might be Jeffrey Combs, but uh, I, I believe I think there's somebody who did more than that. But uh, that maybe that's a, a, another episode of uh, Cosmic Peter where we might have to delve into just how many people, uh, certain, uh, how many alien people, certain people have played. 
because I think there's somebody in there who's more than more. We could do top trumps. We could all pick a person and say, right. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Okay, Uh, ratings. Uh, IMDb have given this a very high rating indeed uh, of Mm 8.7. Now, we rate our... Uh, uh, we give our ratings in in um, five because of Babylon Five, and eight point seven works out as four point three five, which is quite high. Uh, Sean, what did you think? I uh, I agree with IMDb. I, I like this episode a lot. We're we're getting more and more into the uh, the politics of uh, EarthGov, and we're getting uh, some cool battle scenes with uh, the shadow vessel, and we're getting some humor uh, with Marcus and it's just a, a great all-around episode uh, John and Delenn are getting closer uh, I gave it 4.25 out of 5 nice very nice that uh, actually puts it into your top 10 I believe it mm. mm-hmm. Dan what did you make it well before I explain my thoughts on the episode I thought I'd bring out a chart it's uh, based on loosely on the Ottoman Empire uh, and sort of veering into ancient Egyptian but we'll see how that goes um, yeah no I really I enjoyed this you know the Ivanova and Marcus sort of relationship that's being developed you've got Sheridan you've got um, uh, you know all of it being developed for him but Delenn most of all um, you know the White Star showing how it can actually be really useful and again sort of Sheridan shows how good a military commander he is because they're able to thwart and work out you know that they can use the planet's gravity to crush uh, a shadow vessel he then has to give over to Delenn and then Delenn saves the day and all this sort of thing so really really good stuff there furthers the plot furthers everything still feels like it's setting up so I don't feel like it's like it's not a five for me but it was a really really good enjoyable episode so I'm actually going to come in just like last week exactly the same as Sean at 4.25 Wow. Okay. I like this a lot. Um, It's got a good story. Uh, We see Sheridan taking the White Star out for the first time and giving it a a, a meaningful battle. Um, And again, coming up against a huge enemy that can't be beaten, but he outthinks it rather than outshoots it. Um, Yes, okay, it was slightly... um, disabled ship rather than being a full powered shadow um but you know even so it, it was good to see them actually going out and using this thing they've been given it let's let's you know take it out and use it to actually go over and enter earth space and actually do it right on the doorstep of the psychor then that is even more impressive um i like the way they popped in shikar who, who um must have been available for a, a little bit of uh, filming because uh he gets this little scene, but we're still keeping keeping him relevant. Um, and him saying about being you know in solitude and finding himself, and you know, it's easier to live with yourself when there's silence. It's hard. All the distractions you have outside of that turns you into something that maybe you don't want to be. And so to be on your own and and just drain all of your thoughts out of your out of your mind and clear the mind uh, is is a good thing. And I think it's doing him the world of good. Um, so yeah, I, I thought the acting was was really good by the uh, all of the people who came in. Uh, the lady who played Mary Kirkish, uh, did we say that was uh, Nancy Stafford? Didn't we? Um, uh, she was good, uh, believable, um, put in a good performance. Um, all too brief, um, and I think 
the effects were really good in this as well. Mm-hmm. I think the direction was v- really good. There was a lot of fading in and out and going into sort of uh, when when um, the Doctor was telling the story about the, the finding the shadows, they was sort of faded back into the scene and then came you know came back out to her again and um, describing about what you'd seen with the ship and the ship uh, being pulled out by another ship and and it was it was all really good and I thought it was really well done with lots of looking through glasses and, and having reflections on visors and things, you know, that that's you know, little pieces like that, which uh, is really good. It's almost um, filmmaking rather than TV series making. Uh, so I, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. And it's, it is so, you know, it, it, we're finally getting there. We're finally getting to the point where Sheridan and the, and the conspiracy of light are now finally becoming proactive instead of sitting there they're actually going out and doing something marcus is becoming more um uh, at the beginning of this it was almost a marcus episode it was just uh, him trying to get this this doctor you know into safety etc so um i i really liked it so i'm going to give this a 4.5 um, which all three of us have popped that into our top tens it's uh, imd in imdb's top 10 it's our Joint average, it's in our top 10 as well. So I think we can safely say that this is a very good episode. So anything else you want to bring up? No, that's it. covered it all. Okay. Good. Okay, so that is the end of this episode. Join us again next week when we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 9, Point of No Return. Come. I thought you might want to see this. As I recall, you were somewhat concerned about where I fit in the great organizational scheme of things. So I went to the effort of preparing this chart. Now then, here's you, right here, at the heart of everything, and why not? And here's me. This is the captain, here's Franklin, here's my mum and dad. They don't actually have anything to do with it, but it's a very good picture of them, don't you think? (laughs) Marcus. I actually think I've come up with a way to explain the organizational structure of Babylon 5 using the Ottoman Empire as a model. Gets a little confusing around this bit here, but one has to start somewhere. <laughs> Why are you doing this? Did it make you laugh? Yes. Then my job here is done. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page, just search for the Epsilon 3. Now, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. And to confirm earlier reports, President Clark has signed a decree today declaring martial law throughout Earth Central, citing threats to planetary security. He's expected to provide information to support this action at a closed meeting of the full Earth Senate tomorrow. We repeat, Earth is now under martial law. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.